0: and welcome to A Court of Three Strands, the Palatine Institute's podcast on creating Christian culture.
1: Through this show, we hope to provide a resource of education and encouragement for students, parents, and leaders about the revival of Christian values in our community.
0: On A Court of Three Strands, we'll focus on the three foundational strands that make a strong, flourishing Christian culture, the church, the family, and education. We desire to order these things around God's word to advance Christ's kingdom, and so glorify him and bless our community. My name is Ron Young, former headmaster at Providence Academy and founder of the Palatine Institute.
1: And I'm Allison Tuttle, a wife and mother and the director of the Palatine
0: Institute. Through our conversations, we look forward to sharing fellowship knowledge and practical wisdom for his glory here on a Court of Three Strands podcast.
1: Without further ado, let's get on with the show. and welcome back to A Court of Three Strands. Today we are recording episode eight and we are planning to discuss the new covenant and the kingdom. All right. You want to get us started, Ron?
0: Uh, sure. Sure. So we know that the prophets uh, of God in the Old Testament had prophesied about a time that was coming that was, um, that was going to be different, a new covenant mm-hmm. in which the law of God would be written on the hearts of man. In other words, if you, if you look at the history of salvation, when you, when you look at the fall in the garden, they're kicked out and uh, sacrifices are established, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So when, when God gives them the the skins to wear it, the, the implication is the, the life of these animals were sacrificed instead of Adam and Eve dying. Yes. And their, their, their nakedness was covered. Nakedness also representing their vulnerability to God's wrath. In other words, they're, they're made right through this sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And then that continued um, up till Mount Sinai and until the law is given. And then the, how the sacrifices were to be made became clear. Mm-hmm. Um, to go back to Genesis, though, you see that sacrifices, though it helped to cover the sinner, it did not prevent them from being evil. Right. So uh, God ends up flooding the earth and, you know, killing everyone except for Noah and his family. So eight and all. And um, and he says something very interesting in uh, in Genesis 9. He says that he's not going to flood the earth again. Because we're sinners from the time we're little kids, right? From in other yeah. in other words, um, punishing by wiping us out or those types of things is not going to change us,
1: right? We the, will always return.
0: We will always return to sin because spot. we have this sin nature, mm-hmm. um, and so the covenant made at Sinai, which is a continuation of the covenant He made with Abraham. Mm-hmm. So again. If you look at Genesis 3 being the fall and you see um, sin, 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 curse, 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 you know, the flood and then the Tower of Babel, um, there's, you know, there's just this wickedness. Uh, God in Genesis chapter 12 then says to Abraham, I, you know, he chooses him Mm -hmm. and he's going to make uh, he and his descendants, he's going to bless them so that um, through them, the world would be blessed. And right And mm-hmm. so we understand that this is also pointing towards Jesus in the future, right. but also the spiritual children of Abraham, which is are those who put their faith in, in Jesus Christ. This also refers back to Genesis three at the promise that the head of the serpent would be crushed, yes, right, so that there'll be an end to sin.
1: And it's for the sake of the world,
0: and for the sake of the world. Yeah. So in Exodus, then, when the, when the people of God come out of slavery and Moses leads them, you know, to Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai, God gives them the law. So he specifies to God's people what right and wrong is, right? Mm -hmm. You you can't just make stuff up. (laughs) He is the Lord and the giver of life. And he knows what is right and wrong. All of sin started when we didn't trust God Mm -hmm. and obey his word. We wanted to know for ourselves, determine for ourselves what is right and wrong. Right. So God makes it clear. This is what is right and wrong. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, our our sinful ways from Genesis three on, um, you might think, okay, p- the punishment for sin isn't helping. But if you, maybe if you clarify, this is what's right and what's wrong. Right. So you have the 10 commandments and then you have all the case law, mm-hmm. right? Thou shalt not murder. And then the case law says, but... <laughs> you know, if this happens, you can execute this person. Right. If they do this though, uh, that's manslaughter. So you're gonna they're gonna flee to the city of refuge, right? And then mm-hmm. there'll be a trial, that type of thing. So they're they're determining it's it's saying this is how the moral law is applied in terms of law. And you'd think, okay, with that, that that we should be able to live a, a great life. Well, guess what, Allison? Tell me, Ron. It's not about the knowledge of what right and wrong is. I know.
1: Isn't that a shame?
0: It it would. Like you'd think that if you would tell your kids, for instance, what they ought to do and what they shouldn't do, don't do this, do this, then we'd have a great life. If it were that easy. If it were that easy. Wouldn't it be it, great? It would be great. But we're the same. We I are. mean, God tells us yeah. what's right and wrong. And then we figure out a way that we think we could, you know. Not to do that, or yes. get away with it, or twist it a bit. The problem is our hearts, right? Yes. So the law was unable to make us righteous. Mm-hmm. The law is good; it's perfect, right? We sh- uh, the meditation of it is a is a great thing, and it even revives our soul. But it can't make us righteous.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It what it does is it points out that we're sinners, and that we're in need of a savior. Yeah. So the law was also a gracious, the covenant at Sinai was also a gracious covenant, right? He gave us the law, but he also knew that we would sin. Right. So he he gave us the sacrificial system, it, which was not only a way to get um, atone for this, our sin, it also established a way to be reconciled both to God and to our neighbor. Mm-hmm. So if you and I had gotten in some sort of, you know, dispute and I had sinned, um, we, we knew what to do. We, Mm -hmm. we go, I sacrifice us, you know, burnt offering. We, it gives us fellowship with, with God, a sin off, you know, so our sin can be taken care of. Um, uh, then with the priest, we can be reconciled not only to God, but to each other in enjoying some of the, the meat of the sacrifice and uh, and we can even throw in a Thanksgiving offering because we're we're very grateful that God has done this, um, but that's so God has established that. So the law is good; it's gracious. God God knows in advance we're going to sin, and so when you do, this is this is how to stay in the fellowship with with God. But the prophets keep pointing to this time a a new covenant that's going to. Uh, change our hearts. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll no longer have this heart of stone, but one of flesh, one that can can learn.
1: And the law of God will be written on our hearts.
0: The law of God will be written on our hearts. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and we won't even at some point, and we won't even have to teach people. Right. Because we'll all know.
1: All our neighbors will know.
0: All our neighbors, everyone will know. Yeah. We're not there yet. But we'll get to that. Actually, in in episode ten, by the way, everyone, pay attention. Our last episode in our season on the church, we're going to talk about eschatology, and in eschatology, which means the doctrine of last things, we're going to talk about the fulfillment of His kingdom. Um, so He's inaugurated His kingdom. We're living in it now, but it won't be consummated until the Lord returns. So. At this point in time, uh even though his law is being written on our hearts, it's it's not perfect. And uh we still have pagan neighbors who don't know.
2: Right. Lots, <laughs> lots of pagan neighbors. Lots of
0: pagan neighbors. Okay, so Jesus comes and he's the one who's going to, who's establishing the new covenant, right? Mm. So now here, here's the here's the big part that might be confusing. When Jesus comes preaching, he doesn't say Hey, I've come to establish a new covenant. That's, that's not what he preaches. Mm -hmm. He's preaching the kingdom of God. Right. Right. And the kingdom of God is for who? All people. All people. Mm. Previously, it was for who?
1: Just for Israel. For Israel. Yeah.
0: So Israel were the, the, the uh, descendants, physical descendants of Abraham. Mm -hmm. And then those who converted. Mm-hmm. Right, they, they're very, not very many, but on occasion you'd have someone who um, wanted to become a, a follower of Yahweh, um, and if they were male, they had to go through everything. They had to get yep. circumcised. I mean, that was that's a big barrier.
1: Yes, right. I would imagine. Yeah. So. I think a
0: lot more women converted. I don't know. It was. Uh, it
1: cost us a little less. Little maybe. less.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the uh, you know you think of of of. Ruth, you know, who is a Moabite, right. and she becomes, you know, your God will be my God, you know. Mm-hmm. That? Um, so anyway, Jesus comes establishing the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God. I think we talked about this in a previous episode. It wasn't enough for God's servant, the Messiah to come and just bring Judah and Israel back together as these tribes who have been separated. Mm hmm. But he, but they were going to also be this light to the Gentiles. So the salvation will come to everyone. Right. All peoples, all nations, everyone.
1: Well, and it's sort of a fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. I mean, not sort of, it is. It
0: is. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. To all nations. So this was the tension with Jesus is because like the, uh, many of the, the Jews in Jesus's day wanted the overthrow of the Romans so that the nation of Israel would be restored
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that it would be the, the, the main deal. Right. And everyone would be flocking to Zion rather than to those seven hills out in Rome. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's the imagery, right? You have seven hills that, that Rome was founded on. You have Z, the mountain Zion is kind of the, the, the place. So mm-hmm. which mountain is going to be the greatest? They think oh, it's going to be Israel. So uh, the Messiah is going to come and they're going to conquer their enemies. But Jesus continued to say, no, basically this, no, no, no. The Romans are not just enemies. They're the people we want to convert. Right. They're, they're going to be your brothers and sisters. Right. So you should love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Yes. You should, according to Roman law, if a soldier, a Roman soldier wanted to conscript you, he can force you to carry his, his gear for a mile. And Jesus says, if someone asks you to go to a mile, you go too." Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Why would you serve and love the Romans who are your oppressors? Mm. Well, because Jesus knows that those are not right now. They're their oppressors. But after he dies and rises again, they're the objects of their conversion. They're going to be a part of his kingdom.
1: Yeah. They will become brothers and sisters.
0: Brothers and sisters. Yeah. The Jews and the, there's in Christ. There's no Jew or Gentile, Mm -hmm. right? No saved, no free, no rich, nor poor. We're all one in him. Mm -hmm. And now that was a hard thing for them to say, see. So going back to the idea of kingdom of God, right? So what we have to understand is the covenant that God establishes with, with people is kind of the constitution of their kingdom. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so we have in, at Mount Sinai, The covenant God made with Israel was, in a sense, the constitution establishing this formal relationship between Israel and their God. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus comes, he's saying, I'm establishing the kingdom of God, which is going to encompass all nations, the Mm -hmm. entire world, right? It's Right. It's not just this little sliver in the Middle East. Right. It's the entire planet,
1: all of humanity,
0: all of it. Yeah. Yes. And, and so the, there's a, there has to be then a new administration, a new constitution. So new, the kingdom of God that he comes to preach implies that there's going to have to be a new covenant. And it's that new covenant in which the prophets had um, foreseen Uh and proclaimed. Uh So Jesus establishes is the kingdom of God and a new covenant. Yes. Right. Yep. So now this is the other part that's kind of going back here. And that is this, the covenants that God has made with people, um, are never abolished. Mm -hmm. They are built upon.
1: Could you also use the word fulfilled? Yes. You know, like when Jesus says to his disciples, "I have not come to abolish the law. I guess that's the language he uses, yes. right? But to fulfill the law."
0: Correct. Yeah. Correct. So sometimes fulfillment means that it's complete. Uh-huh. So, so for instance, say I go buy a car, and I make a contract, a covenant with the dealer, mm-hmm. that I'm going to pay a hundred dollars a month for you know, That a hundred dollars a month would be the rest of my life. Let's yeah. just
1: say up it a little bit. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna pay five hundred dollars a month for three years or something. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just making something up. So five hundred dollars for three years. At the end of those three years, I have fulfilled the covenant. Yes. That doesn't mean the next month I give them another five hundred dollars. Right. I'm done with it. Yes. I have the car, it's all mine.
1: The I terms have been fulfilled. The, the terms
0: have been fulfilled. Yeah. So when when um so when Jesus so so we'll just Kind of go back here. Uh, so, yeah. So when Jesus says he's come to fulfill the law, some of it is the idea that he has completed it. Mm-hmm. And it and it's no longer, because the old covenant, the covenant sign, I was pointing to something. Mm-hmm. And so this was a temporary thing until it was fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Other things are permanent. And what he has done is he's kind of not only fulfilled, the idea of fulfillment can also mean, um, a fuller idea of it.
1: Uh-huh. So for it more fleshed it or made it clearer or something.
0: Yeah. So think of the yeah. sermon on the Mount.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So in the old covenant amongst the people at Mount Sinai, it says you're not to murder and then it, or kill. Right. And it tells yes. you what that means. Right. So I, yeah. but it, but it doesn't say you can't be angry with your brother. Right. Jesus then interpret, you've been told, right? You shall not yes. murder, but I tell you, all right, don't murder or don't, don't be angry. If you've, if you've been angry, mm-hmm. right. You're guilty of murder. murder. Yes. Um, you, uh, you know, adultery, right. Sexual immorality. It's very, there's all sorts of things about sexual immorality in the yep. old covenant, but Jesus doesn't come and say, Oh, that's abolished. Now you can do whatever you want. No, he makes it even
2: Harder, Uh, harder he says.
0: He says, um, because remember, the covenant's not about knowledge of a law; it's about our hearts being changed. Yeah. So he says, if you if you are to look at a woman in order to lust after her, Mm -hmm. you have committed adultery in your heart. Right. You're guilty of adult of sin, just by thinking.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Right. That by the lust of your heart. So this is so that the fulfillment of uh, of the covenant that he's talking about or the fulfillment of the law. Part of it is you, we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore right? because Jesus fulfilled that by dying on the cross. All sacrifices, all feasts, all everything are encompassed in his death on the cross and the Lord's Supper. Yes. Right. That he, that he has given. Yep, I, we don't have to, we don't have to, uh, uh, hold a uh, the Passover anymore? We don't have to hold the uh, feast of booths or tabernacles. You know, Pentecost; those things are are fulfilled in Jesus and what He has done, um, and He's given us something new. So, like uh, Jesus, when he, in His ministry, uh, people are asking Him about fasting, mm-hmm. and uh, well, you know, how, how come you're not fasting? Like John's disciples, and uh, Jesus basically talks about you know when. You know, when the bridegroom is present, you know your your buddies aren't going to like fast, right? Right? You're mm-hmm. gonna you're gonna you're gonna feast with them. Yes. It's this joyous thing. And he's and while Jesus was on the earth, he didn't make his disciples fast. Why would they fast? Because it's all every day is a celebration. I mean, Jesus is literally there with them. Right. They're not going to fast. But there's a time coming, he says, right, where that that'll mm-hmm. happen. But he says this interesting thing. He he gives this parable like so. You don't put new wine into old wineskins, right? New mm-hmm. wine into old wineskins. So the idea is if I put unfermented wine into a wineskin, as it ferments, the bag is going to stretch, mm-hmm. the, the leather is going to grow or, you know, stretch with it. Yes. But then once it's aging, that bag is going to have a certain more fragile state.
1: Yeah. It can't accommodate. growth of the
0: so if I put new wine into it so unfermented wine into the old wine skin as soon as it starts expanding Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to burst the wine skin it doesn't it doesn't work right so for new wine there's going to be new wine skins and the idea is this in the new covenant even though the old um, some of it has been done away with because it's been fulfilled yes um, there'll be new forms of our uh, worship, of our way we do things as his disciples, right? So it's it's not completely different uh, in terms of like uh, you know we're not doing any of that old stuff, right? <laughs> we're just going to make up new stuff, right? It's it's it it builds upon the old mm-hmm. and it's changed.
1: Yep. Could you say it's almost like a a clearer way of pointing forward to what's to come, or?
0: Yes. I think it, it's one, it's still a celebration of what God has accomplished mm-hmm. uh, through Jesus. Right. Um, but also an anticipation of the kingdom being fulfilled, mm-hmm. you know, in when he returns.
1: In glory. In yeah. glory. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so, I mean, every time we take the Lord's Supper and we're reminded of the Jesus's last supper with his disciples, He says, "I won't drink of this again until I drink it anew with you Mm -hmm. at kingdom." And so there's this idea of when I'll give you an illustration. Um, In high school, uh, after we graduated, we we all gathered together at a friend's house, and um, we just we hung out and we talked about the old times, talked about when we were in elementary school together. Mm -hmm. You know, just we just had a great time, and we thought, hey, when at Christmas break, when we're all back from going our first semester of college, let's gather here again. Mm-hmm. And so when we did, we gathered there again and we did the same thing. It was, we talked about what was going on in our lives, how they, we talked about, you know, what we're going to do in the future. It says, hey, let's do this every Christmas. So every Christmas we could, we got together at the same time with my buddies at this, you know, a friend's house. Yeah. And we, we did this and it was just the but that didn't last Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but but this idea of of even taking the Lord's Supper is is not just um a reflection of what Christ has done, although it is remembering mm-hmm. right this memorial of Jesus' death and resurrection that we are participating in, um, his sacrifice, the uh we are also pointing to that time where we'll drink it anew. Yeah. Right when we all get together,
1: anticipating the final supper
0: of the Lamb, with the final supper of the Lamb, yeah, we'll be with them in glory. Uh, our loved ones who are who are uh, departed from us mm-hmm. in the faith, we'll be with them. I mean, it's like this joyful anticipation of what will come, yes, in the future, which strengthens our faith and gives us hope. And we, right? So mm-hmm. it's this wonderful thing. It's it is a solemn occasion but it's a joyful occasion as we, we do that. Remember the new covenant that Mm -hmm. we're in. So this is, this is, you know, so the, the form of taking the bread and the wine is this, this whole thing. It's a, it's a participation in a sense that last supper and a participation of the feast to come. Mm -hmm. And it's a, and it's just this amazing mixture of, uh, I guess you want to say feeling and of, um, meaning and, uh, and communion, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's just a, it's a great, it's a great thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we had Thanksgiving this last with family down in Tennessee. Ellie wasn't able to come. My daughter, Ellie is out in California. We didn't, you know, we didn't love her enough to fly her out. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Joke. (laughs) Ellie, I know you're going to listen. I just kidding. But, but there's this sadness like, well, Ellie's not here. Right. And then there's also the reminder that, okay, Ellie's out with our extended family yeah, out in California. Yeah. And remember when we used to be able to have Thanksgiving together and how cool. So there's like this joy of eating this Thanksgiving feast. And by the way, if there's any food involved, I'm really happy anyway. <laughs> but, uh, but also this noticeable absence of a loved one, yes. a remembrance of times past, and a, and a future anticipation of when we all get together. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's part of it. Yeah. But this, this new forms then that Jesus is saying in the new covenant, um, in his kingdom, it, it extends to how we pray. Right. Mm-hmm. So Jesus taught us how to pray, pray yeah. to the Lord's supper or the Lord's supper. the Lord's Lord's prayer. prayer. Thank you. You know, this, uh, historically we see that the, the church of, of Jesus Christ, started fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays and they chose Wednesdays and Fridays because of um, when Judas went to go make the deal to betray Jesus was on Wednesday Mm. and on Friday is when he was crucified. So those would be good days of fasting. Right. Yeah. Um, The establishment of, of Sunday as the day of worship and rest, uh, the innocent, we call it the Christian Sabbath.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So it's a different, so it's building on, the Saturday Sabbath that the, that in the, of the old covenant. Yeah. Um, but it's different. It's, you know, but it's on a different day. It's on a different time. Um, by the way, it, it's also referred to by some of the apostolic fathers as the, the eighth day. Right. So we have, so the Sunday's the first day of the week. It's when God said, let there be light. Mm. Um, so this idea of Christ coming into the world of us, of his resurrection is, we're bringing light into the world, but eight also had to do with, um, a new beginning. Mm-hmm. So there's seven days in a week. And then, and so this eighth day is like this idea. It's, it's kind of different and outside and it's anticipating the new King, yeah. the, the new heavens and the earth. Um, also, if you look at the, the um uh, f- one of the feasts that, um, of the, uh, dedication, um, Hanukkah, mm-hmm. we'd say, uh, it talks about the eighth or the last and greatest day of the feast, and mm-hmm. kind of and this is where Jesus stood, stands up and says, "I'm the light of the world. Um, you know, those who follow me will not never walk in darkness, but have the light of life." And we anticipate, so we worship on that day, mm-hmm. on the greatest day. And so, so there's there's reasons for these new forms, yeah. And it's all based upon Jesus and what he's done, and what he's accomplished, and what will will come. Mm-hmm. All right. So Jesus establishes a new covenant. The moral law, the Ten Commandments are still in force, only he's expanded it. He's made like, it harder. <laughs> made it hard. Sorry, everyone. He's made, <laughs> he's, he's made it harder. Um, but but again, it points to the fact that um in the flesh, we can't simply follow the Ten Commandments.
2: Right. Well,
1: in some ways, maybe he's actually made it easier because you understand the heart of the law, right? Yeah. I mean, as opposed to it just being behavior
0: modification. Yeah. Well, you good people that maybe for people like me who are just <laughs> selfish, <laughs> no, well. it it's a, no, I, I think I, I would say it's easier in the sense that God's spirit is working in us. Right. So when, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, um, we know that his Holy spirit is working. We there's no faith without the Holy spirit. Right. right? So he, uh, he works this in us, makes our dead or dead in his, in our transgressions. Mm -hmm. He makes us alive by his spirit and that spirit that works in us, not only to give us faith, um, but to sanctify us, Mm -hmm. to to chip away at our hard heart, making it a, that's something that's alive. Right. Yeah. And this is, and what we understand is this process of sanctification is a, is a process. Yes. Right. So it's not the, the, the promise of the new covenant in this new kingdom is not consummated yet. Mm-hmm. It's been inaugurated and we're in it and it's growing not only throughout the earth in terms of people coming to faith in Christ and hearing the gospel, but also in our own hearts. Mm-hmm. So. Um, this, there's this progressive sanctification happening within us, and it's the work of the Spirit.
1: Yeah, and so you know, in Ezekiel when he says he will write the, his law on his people's hearts, that has started. Yes, but it will be fully completed. Yes, in the new heavens and the new earth. Yes,
0: yeah. We still see through a glass darkly, right? Right, but when we see him face to face, it's mm-hmm. it's all right. So you know, f- faith, hope, and love. We you know when Paul talks about those are the that the greatest of these is love. Yeah. Part of it is, is this right now we still live by faith. Right. But then we won't, we'll, we'll live face to face. Yeah. Uh, Right now we live by hope, um, trusting in the promises and trusting that this will all come to completion. But when it does come to completion, we don't live by hope anymore. Right. But right now we also live by love. It's, but when it's completed, we still live by love.
2: Right. In right. fact,
0: our love is perfected.
1: Yes. I was, have you ever read the saints everlasting rest by Richard Baxter?
0: No, I have not.
1: Okay. I just started
0: this book okay. and
1: he's discussing this exact principle and it was like mind blowing in some ways. Like it's hard to conceive of a time in which I won't need faith to love Christ.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. But it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. It's, it is beautiful. Yeah. So this is, so we, so the question might be, all right, we've, we've done eight sessions or seven sessions on the church. Mm -hmm. And now I'm talking about the new covenant and the, and the, the kingdom. And I, I think, um, I think there's, there's a, a couple of reasons why, and I think it's one is to now to think about what is the church's role in the kingdom of God? And that sounds like, wait, 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 wait. That sounds like I'm saying that the church is not the kingdom of God. I'm saying the kingdom of God is more than just the institution of the church. Okay. Now all the people are what constitute the church, but we just talked about what the work of the people is, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of We talked about it as being uh, worship, uh, evangelism, uh, the, the spiritual warfare um, and, uh, and the care for God's people. Right. right. So this is what the ecclesia is doing as ecclesia, mm-hmm. but, but that is to uh, help grow God's kingdom. And part of what all this is doing is equipping all the saints, all of the people of the church for every good work. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's, it's not the kingdom. It's the thing that's keeping the kingdom expanding, expanding and moving and growing. Yeah, And it is the, um, and so we still have the dominion mandate.
1: Right. So it's, those are almost like the engine of the dominion taking. Correct. Yeah.
0: So the, 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 the spiritual stuff, like this is, and this is the hard part. And I, and I grew up thinking this, like there's holy stuff, there's good stuff, which is the church stuff. And then there's everything else I'm doing with my life.
1: Right. 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 This secular versus sacred.
0: Yeah. Split. Like that, that yeah. my life in uh, what I do Monday through Saturday uh, doesn't really count. It doesn't really matter unless when I'm praying or having devotions or something. Mm-hmm. And then church stuff is the only thing that's important. Mm-hmm. So the only way to really make an impact in the kingdom of God is really to be a pastor or a clergy. Yeah. Right. And then you you have all sorts of, you know, people like, well, everyone should be a pastor and you know, all this other kinds of stuff. And um, so but hear me, dear people, hear me, hear me. Um the vocations that God gives us are all sacred. They're all good. So if my vocation, if God has called me to start a, uh, a a new garbage collecting company, that's good. Mm. <laughs> You're right. It's still mm-hmm. good. It's a good, and it's good work. Or if I'm employed, uh, you know, as a pig farmer, that's good. It's what needs to happen. Yeah. It's, it's, part of, it's part of how God intended us to live and right. to, to be. Now, there are, of course, some vocations that are unholy. You know if your whole vocation is revolves around sin right you know being a porn star or being uh running a gambling or you know there's just some things that are just sinful and those cannot be redeemed right gambling isn't going to be redeemed pornography is not going to be redeemed it's it's uh it's evil mm-hmm. um so we we need to understand that the church is um, is here to disciple the nations, to equip people for this godly dominion, mm-hmm. and that that's the that's the important part. The end result isn't that you stay in worship, right?
1: Right. So the work of the church happens.
0: Yes. All week long. So can I say something controversial? Yeah. Here it is. Again. My wife goes, "Why do you always say stuff like that?" <laughs> I don't know. I kind of <laughs> think it's fun. Uh. It, As Allison and I are recording this, there's a a revival uh, evidently going on in Kentucky, Uh Asbury. Mm -hmm. And my wife asked me what I thought about it. And I looked at a couple videos and I go, well, if it really is the work of God, they would probably get back to studying and do well in school.
2: Right.
1: They would start taking dominion.
0: Yeah. Like, what are they doing? I am mm-hmm. not finding this in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, a movement of God is uh, these have happened where they've been really great and genuine, and they typically last a, for a period of time. But but the fruit of it is an uh, is a greater understanding of of a person's holiness. Mm-hmm and a desire for holiness that is the sanctification and of doing good work Mm -hmm. of being good citizens of being of, of doing good and dominion. It's, it's, in other words, um, sitting in a worship service 24 seven is not God's plan for us. Right. (laughs) Exactly. It's, it's not God's plan for us. In fact, the only thing he commands us to do is to, to set aside one day, a and,
1: week, yeah, and then go and make disciples,
0: and then go and make disciples, yeah. So, I, I'm not trying to make a huge judgment on it. I mean, the I other
1: time will tell. Yeah, the right? other, yeah,
0: the other part is, um, you know, my my big fear, my big fear is is that um, people are going to come away with this interesting experience, and then they're going to try to tell everyone <laughs> what to do, right? As if that's This is the goal. Yeah. So again, I don't fault them. They're they're young people. And you know, let's just pray that all of a sudden we don't have at the new Christian booksellers how to have a revival (laughs) one oh one, you know. And
1: Asbury Revivals uh, 101. (laughs) Yeah, let's make some money
0: on how to do this. Oh Um, my goodness.
1: Ron, before we were recording, you were talking a little bit about this concept of leaven. Yes. I feel like that's pertinent here. Yes. Um, You want to talk about that a little
2: bit?
0: Yeah. So we're, Alice and I were talking about like in the middle ages, you, you had this tension. Well, we'll talk and we'll talk about this in see in episode. Maybe the next one. The next. Yes. We're going to talk about the church's embassy. Um, But the, the church, this tension between uh, the church and its authority and, 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 the, uh, the nations the state and the, yeah. the the culture and and things so the, the the church ought to be a driver of culture yeah but it's it's it has its own sphere right, right? Mm-hmm. this this thing that the church does is what we talked about the work of the people the the people in their day-to-day lives I, I guess you'd say besides you know evangelism and spiritual warfare type of stuff um, are are doing, they're working. They have right. jobs, vocations. They they get married. They have kids. They they establish households. They they um, disciple their children, and um, these kinds of things are um, in different spheres, right? And and so what we see the churches is it's not that thing that's taking over, or mm-hmm. you know those spheres. Yeah, it it it's like leaven. Right. So, so it is, its influence is going to influence the church's influence is going to influence all the spheres. Exactly. But it doesn't take over the spheres. Exactly. The church doesn't take over the government, but the church tells the government what's that they're wrong.
1: Yeah. Sort of uh, ferments the government with godliness. Yes.
0: It is perfectly appropriate for the church of Jesus Christ to point to the state and say, you're murdering children and you must stop abortion lest." God judges us harshly. Yes. That's the perfect, this isn't us shoving our morality down people's throats. This is just telling the truth. Yes. That's a murder. Yes. Don't do it. Yes. Right. Right. So we're not, you know, so that's, that's the church's job. Yeah. Right. You know, this is what God says, kiss the son lest he be angry.
2: Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Yeah. But the church isn't becoming government. Exactly. Christians should be involved in government. Yes. But they're not making the government into church. Right. The church isn't going to have sacrifices. The church isn't going to have the Lord's Supper. The church, or I'm sorry, that's the The state. The government. Mm -hmm. The government's not going to do that. The government's not going to baptize people. Right. That's the church.
1: Right. So, so, um, I've just started making sourdough bread, Ron. Yes. And, um, so I'm learning a lot about leaven, and you have to get it you mix it actually with your hands you have to get it infused into all of the flour yeah and then it sits and ferments yes. so if you don't mix it well it doesn't do its job yes. in the loaf and so it just makes me think of our yeah. you know church members church yeah. people as leaven that are infused into all of the areas of culture and they're fermenting the gospel yes you know, in whatever sphere they're in so medicine education yes you know um government Yeah. Garbage disposal, Uh, you know, whatever everything.
0: Yes. Right. Everything. And, and so the, the church member, um, could be that person that stands up and says, um, no, we, we can't be encouraging, uh, fifth graders to, to, uh, change their gender because they feel like they're a girl today. Right. That's stupid. That's okay. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that it is stupid, but I'm, it's evil. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's word. yeah. it's, it's evil. Yes, it is. And, um, and that's what our job is. So, you know, if, if you're in a position, um, uh, okay, now I'm going to be blunt here. The, the problem we've had within our church over the last 50 years or so is that we have pulled ourselves out of culture, out of our job and thought of things as like, you know, the ultimate job is to have an Asbury revival. Right. Rather than being leaven in the loaf. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, and so we've not not a single Supreme Court justice was an evangelical Christian. Right. They're they're Catholics. Yeah. Right. Thank you know thank God that they have kept them. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Why why weren't there any evangelical Christian? Well, because we stopped caring. Mm -hmm. We we stopped we 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 began a, to ex, espouse a false notion of what the church is right, and is, what spiritually spirituality is yeah uh we're chasing after experiences and you know those things that make us feel good and and not doing the work that mm-hmm. god has commanded his people to do yes so the church should be equipping the saints to do the work
1: mm-hmm.
0: right so so think about this a good thing might be that we're talking uh as Christians to one another about how we can be prepared to perhaps lose our jobs because we're going to stand up for what's right. 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 Mm-hmm. Cause that becomes, what should I do? Should I mm-hmm. say something and risk losing my job? Yes. Yes, you should. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, why don't we do that? Well, we're not prepared to lose our job or we don't think we ought to lose our job or we think our job is more important right. than God's work. Yep. So, so part of it is just being smart. Like we're not, how come we're not smart? Like the world is smart. The uh, world's been planning and carrying on. And I mean, think of how great the strategies of Satan have been. Right. And they've been very successful. Yeah. And we just sit around hoping that, I, I don't know. I know. What the, are
1: we hoping? This gets us to, Um. I think it's episode 10, Run.
0: I know. Yeah. We will get to that. So hang on, come hang, back. So
1: we're going to talk about this a lot.
0: Yeah. So uh, just to conclude yeah, this wrap us I up. think we're yeah, wrapping yeah, it up. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Jesus came to establish a kingdom and this kingdom uh has has an administration which Jesus is the 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 um the administrator of this new covenant. The covenant is the in a sense the constitution of God's people. Mm-hmm. And um and the church then is the The thing that functions to say who's in and who's out of -hmm. the kingdom, who administers baptism, who gives those things, who equips his people for every good work, to do evangelism, to take care of the spiritual warfare, take care of his people, those types of things. But it is still part of our role as human beings made in the image of God to have dominion. Uh So the 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 church and the uh, and the new covenant. Aspect here um is it's changing our hearts so that we can have dominion in a good way. Right. So, you know, it's tax season. I got I got a couple of days next week where I'm gonna sit down and do my taxes. I hate doing taxes, mm-hmm. but it's right. So if Jesus were to come tomorrow, where I still pay my taxes, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I would. I'd still have to i'd 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 still have to take out the garbage on Monday because that's trash day, mm-hmm. even if Jesus came back tomorrow. The trash doesn't automatically like dissolve <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah
1: i mean it's it's like going back like this has been God's plan from the very beginning, yes, since he made Adam and Eve, absolutely, yeah.
0: So I, I just, and I probably gonna, there's going to be some people who've just heard those last statements. They're going to be so turned off by what I just said. Or maybe a little confused. Or a little confused. So, so maybe come,
1: come back to episode come back. 10. <laughs>
0: yeah, nine and 10. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 10. Absolutely.
1: I know. So run, let me ask you a question. Um, do you have any, like just off the top of your head resources that people could go-to to to read this? Like, I I feel like that some of this might be really different from what they've heard.
0: Uh, Start with them. A Westminster confession of faith. Yeah. Um, a good, good doctrine, good sound doctrine that has this understanding, I think more of, uh, these roles. Um,
1: R.C. Sproul's got a good book for that. Yeah. It's called truths. We confess.
0: Yes. It's an excellent book. Excellent book. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's some diff. there's, there's lots of good resources out there. That's easily accessible on the, um, uh, internet. Uh-huh. Uh, I think, um, Sproul's organization, um,
1: Ligonier Ministries Ligonier
0: is a great one. Yeah. Uh, but, um, let me, let me do this. I'll, um, I'll put together some of those sources and maybe put it on our, on our notes.
1: Yeah. That's a good for idea the,
0: for the thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's good. I was going to say Kuiper. I don't know how many people are going to really read his stuff. Yeah,
2: he's good to read. He's good to read. I I
0: often read things that aren't necessarily the things. The place to start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll get there.